0: It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village because raising your child is really, really tough? What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast, On The Hard Days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on The Hard Days. Hey, if you're a mom of a neurodivergent child and you're struggling, I need you to check out my free virtual open house event coming up soon. What do I mean by struggling? If you feel a deep sense of loneliness, shame, guilt, overwhelm, doubt, and or burnout, you're struggling. I know because this was me for years. Mothers Together is my membership community for moms just like you, where I cultivate a small group of women with the same challenges and the same desire for connection, friendship, and to feel like themselves again. In our pod squads, moms quickly realize that simply speaking their truths and being validated without fear of judgment changes the way they feel, not only about their neurodivergent kids and their family, but themselves. Feeling like you belong is the number one way to feel better about yourself. And over the last two and a half years, hundreds of mothers have experienced this shift and honestly improved their mental health. Mothers Together has now moved to a quarterly model and our doors open again right after the first of January, April, July and October. But how do you know if you're ready? How do you know if this is what you need? So come to my virtual open house and find out. I'll put you in touch with other moms, and for some of you, this may be the very first time you'll have spoken to someone else in the same position as you. Facilitate positive connections and meaningful conversations, and basically just invite you to have a look around our virtual Mothers Together home. Now, this open house is free because I want it to be accessible to all struggling moms of neurodivergent kids. However, I will ask for a $5 donation to the Mothers Together Scholarship Fund if you're able to do that, which supports moms who are financially unable to join Mothers Together but need the community. There's so much more I could share about Open House and Mothers Together, but let's get right to the point. You need to be on my Open House email list, which is how I will be sharing information about it as it gets closer. I'm going to give you the website to enter your email. Are you ready? Okay. It's mothers-together.com forward slash open house. That's mothers-together.com forward slash open house. Open house and mothers together allows you, mom, to finally climb in the wagon and let someone else pull. To set your heavy bags down that you've been carrying for so long. And as you begin to heal, you'll find inner strength that you didn't know you had to show the same love to other struggling moms. So get on the email list, my friends. I can't wait to meet you at Open House. Welcome back to the show. I am very excited to have Rob Gorski on. And Rob is the AutismDad.com. And I was just on his podcast. It's been very nice to connect with you. And so thank you for coming on to my show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and I, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. That was a couple weeks ago, I think. Now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great conversation, and you know, it, it's great to be able to appeal to both of our audiences and and bring these different perspectives from a mom, from a dad um, mm-hmm. of raising neurodivergent kids. And so, if anyone has not heard of you and and not listened to your podcast or anything before, can you tell us a little bit about you and your family?
1: Sure. So I am uh, a single dad. I have three. Uh, autistic kids and we have some ADHD sprinkled you know in there as well Um, my oldest is more profoundly impacted and uh, requires well he's doing amazing first of all Uh, but he you know he requires a little bit more help to navigate life and uh, you know my other two are finishing up well in high school my I have one graduating this year. He's graduating a year early. It's super fun. And uh, I have my youngest oh, wow. who's on course to do something very similar uh, as well. So wow. I, I, uh, I started writing about, it was like 2010, uh, just kind of sharing what I thought it was like a private journal. And I was just talking about what I was experiencing because I was really struggling when my oldest was diagnosed. Lot of behavioral things and I just I didn't know how to cope with that stuff, you know. And you know, writing it down, I was able to kind of um it's like saying it without saying it and being able to walk away from it, like put it down and walk away from it. And uh people found it and started reading it and it blew up into this thing. And um I've been just trying to help support parents and help them to at the very least recognize that they're not alone and they're allowed to feel all the things that you talk about on your uh, Instagram reels. Cause that's just the way humans are. And, uh, you know, here we are.
0: Yeah. I love it. What was the journey like for you back before you started all of your things back when your son first got his diagnosis? Like what, what was your day-to-day life like?
1: it was, it was rough. Uh, my, my original blog was called lost and tired because that's sort of how I felt all the time. And, you know, with my, my oldest, it was, uh, I met him when he was a year old and I've raised him since he was a year old and he developed typically hit all his milestones, just like, you know, um, most people do, I guess. And, uh, around his fourth birthday, he experienced just a massive, massive regression. Um, we learned, you know, 15 years later that it, it's called childhood disintegrated disorder. And he, it was like, we put him to bed one person and he woke up somebody completely different. And it, it feels like it was overnight. So there was a lot of, there was g- grieving or a child who was still physically there, but was so profoundly different that, um, you had to learn. I, well, like I had to learn him again, I guess if that makes sense, like I had to get to know the person who existed at that point, because it was very different than the person who existed before. And, and that was really, that was really hard because like all the things that we used to do, he didn't want anything to do with anymore. And, um, it was it was learning a whole new the whole new journey at that point and it, and we learned it, it, they they diagnosed him with it was asperger's at the time but uh you know he would experience periods of regression and would usually over a period of time gain back whatever skills that he lost um sometimes he would gain new ones sometimes he would lose skills and just never be able to to like remaster them but it was just uh it was frustrating and overwhelming and scary and heartbreaking and uh like as a dad you want to fix things because that's just what we're supposed to do at least that's how we like feel like we're supposed to do and you can't fix this kind of stuff right and um when my youngest two came along and and they were eventually diagnosed, they, they were very different than uh my oldest. So I didn't recognize it for what it was. But when I heard, you know, when when we heard the word autism with them, there was that fear of I haven't thought about this in a really long time. Uh I remember around their fourth birthday <laughs> like being absolutely terrified that the same thing would happen to them because it was autism. And that's what I thought that autism was right. Like they were going to be taken away or, you know, something profoundly um, catastrophic was going to happen and lived in fear for the longest time until I learned that everything was actually going to be okay. You know, and um, it was a, it was a, a difficult time.
0: I feel like there's some trauma that you go through when your child goes through that drastic of a regression. And so I think, you know, that fear with your other two, it's like, that's a deep rooted fear. Not only, I mean, even if you, you already had the, the autism diagnosis. So it's not about that. It's just like, this is who I think my child is. And then seemingly overnight, now they're this other person and that's terrifying. And so I think to allow yourself to realize that you have been through a traumatic event in watching your child become seemingly obviously a different mm-hmm. person. And, and so no wonder that you were fearful of that for your, your other two.
1: And there's, there's guilt and uh, regret and on all those things that you do and you feel when you don't expect something like this to happen. And then, and then it does. And, you know, you, man, there there were so many things I would do differently if I had known. Um, But, you know, I mean, you don't, and it's just kind of one of those things. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to know, you know, Gavin is my oldest. I've, I mean, he's 23 now and that's, this is the only person that I know. This is the only version of him that I really remember. And he's an amazing kid you know, he's doing all kinds of amazing things and he's going to be moving out and he's, you know, job training and and stuff like that now. So it it was just, uh, it was like a sudden detour that was unplanned, you know, and I I, would have been nice if it had been a different way, you know, but we're still here. So I guess that's, you know, yeah, that's
0: one of those things that they just you you hear about regressions, but like my my son had a a speech regression. Mm-hmm. How old was he? Maybe one and a half, almost two. Mostly he wasn't even really talking that much, but it was his sounds that were regressing. But that's not nearly the same as is what seems like an entire personality shift. Was that was what it was like?
1: Yeah, it was like I used to. I, trying to wrap your like I I tried so hard to wrap my head around like how this could happen. And you, you think of these, like these crazy scenarios, like aliens came down and like abducted him in the night and left like a clone, but then forgot to like copy his personality over something. And it's ridiculous. But like at that time, that made more sense to me than, than the reality of what we were living in. And I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of funny now, I guess, to think about it like that, but like, it 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 was it was it was uh he looked the same but it wasn't the same person and that's hard for people to understand because like there's there's stigma around like grieving uh, you know your kid who has autism or whatever but like some families uh their kids aren't born that way you know like my other two were born the way they are and that's they're it's that's how they've always been it's who they are it's they're it's just they do really well and i've known them well obviously i've known them their entire life but but this is like who they've always been and when you have a child who who is one way and then out of nowhere becomes something else or or changes or experiences something so profound that you can't you can't even begin to process what's happened they look the same but they're not the same and it's just a, it's just a it's a really emotional, very difficult thing to navigate. I've only met like three other families who've experienced like this level of, uh, regression. And that's only recently that I've actually connected with them. Uh, and that's like 20, almost 20 years after the fact, but, um, it, it is, a, it is, a, it's a difficult thing, but you know, everything's relative, right? So, you know, what you experience, it's, it's, I would not say like my situation is worse than anyone else's or what my kids have been through is worse than, because it's all, it's all relative. Like we all experience things in different ways and um, regression is regression regardless of, you know, what kind of the, the root of it is, I guess.
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to sort of internalize, well, this is who my child is now and, and fully accept him for the, the new version of him that you were seeing.
1: I think, uh, it was, it was tough. I I don't know, like, I don't have a specific timeline, but he used to experience these things, uh, I'd call them a fever effect. And whenever he would run a fever, all of his symptoms would go away. And the kid that we knew before everything happened was, was present again. (laughs) haven't thought about that uh <laughs> and then you got to treat the fever, right? because it's too high or or whatever. and then they go away again. um that was like torture. right? eventually that stopped and i just sort of accepted things the way that they were and you know love him for who he is and i did then too um but it it was just uh we kept getting these little teases you know so it kind of gave hope that things were like he was going to come back or something but mm-hmm. eventually you just you just accept it and you know you you chart that new path forward and and um i, I it's not easy i know a lot of people struggle with acceptance but you know, I mean, it's, he's still, I don't, I don't really, I guess I don't have like a definitive answer for that, to be honest, because it was such a, such a difficult, unusual situation. Um, With my other two, it was, I, I was scared when I learned, but it, there was acceptance right away. Like I didn't struggle with that. It was just that fear, like we talked about with is this going to be the same path that, you know, we went down with, with my oldest, but um, I just, I just see my kids, you know, whether they have, whether they're autistic or the ADHD or like, whatever it is, it just, just, they're just my kids. So um, there's never really been, there's never really been an acceptance issue for me, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it it does. And I think, but the, the the teasing piece, I mean, being getting the fevers and then seeing a glimpse of the old hymn is like it's a tease, but in like the the hardest possible way. Just the gr- you kind of have to go through the the grieving process all over again, and it's almost yeah. like I don't even want to treat this fever because this is right he is like yeah. I how long can we wait to put this this medication in him? And oh man, I can't even imagine how
1: hard that is and that's and that the fever thing is like a documented thing like people experience that there's it's something to do with uh whether it's inflammation or it's it's it just it changes something temporarily and symptoms go away and then they come back and it stopped with him he doesn't experience that anymore but uh once that stopped it was much easier to heal because you have to heal i think and then you can you can just sort of move forward.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. You you couldn't move forward if every time, especially as little kids, they get sick all the time. Every time he gets sick, is like, what are we going to see here? What's going to happen? So you can't move forward. You're stuck. Yeah. Um, that makes total sense. But I can't even imagine how hard that was. Um, so after that, <laughs> moving yeah. forward, yeah. as as he got older and and your other kids too, like, what was your path for you as their father
1: oh you know I've, I've had a lot of time to sort of think about that recently uh my you know my goal was to I was always hands-on so I was very involved I went to every appointment I um it was always present uh my goal at the time was to level the playing field them, So that they had equal access to whatever it is that they wanted to do in life, right? Because there's challenges that make it harder for our kids to do the same things that their maybe neurotypical peers can more easily do. Um, and it was therapies and services and just trying to make sure that they were happy and healthy and, you know, managing whatever emotional issues that might have been there, you know, because you have one kid who's profoundly impacted in, in extreme behavioral issues and there was a lot of time spent managing those behaviors and, and, and then trying to balance out what like little resources, like I felt like I had within me, I had to kind of spread between everybody and it's, it, it was, uh, that was challenging to do that but it it was just trying to get through each day, you know, one day at a time. And, um, I think looking back on it, there was a lot of survival mode. I I think honestly, um, there was just, it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another, but we just, you know, you just keep, you just keep pushing forward, Mm -hmm. you know, and you take a break when you need to and you get back up and you keep moving and, Um, it was always just trying to help them be the best versions of themselves that they could be, you know, make sure they have whatever they needed to, um, reach their potential, whatever that is for each of them individually. Mm
0: -hmm. And so you started blogging. Yes. And that turned to talk, talk, talk to us about that journey for you.
1: Okay. So uh, the blogging started out as just me venting right? Like all the things like you, you read on your uh, Instagram reels, right? There's all that, there's all that kind of stuff. And it became this thing where um, I found it very therapeutic for, for myself to, to, to share what I was experiencing because I could put it down and walk away from it. Uh, It grew into this, this thing. I mean, it was thousands and thousands of views a day and um, picked up by, you know, news agencies and like, it was, there wasn't anybody doing this kind of stuff back then. And, uh, you know, it grew into this thing where people just gravitated, parents just gravitated to it because it was all the things that they were experiencing, but maybe weren't comfortable saying themselves or, um, or thought that they were the only ones who were feeling that way. And, you know, I used to write a dozen times a day, you know, just little short snippets of what was going on in the day. And, you know, eventually it turned into, you know, what, what is the, the podcast now? And um, as a, I became a single dad, I've been, I've been kind of on my own for the most part for about the last 10 years. And, when that happened, I wanted to kind of take it in a different direction and, and try and make it more positive and uplifting. Cause it was like just me and my kids at that point. And so it was like a different story, you know, a different journey. And uh, I just tried to focus more on the positive side of things and, and trying to find kind of that like glimmer in the challenge and, and, and using that to try and, uh, you know, inspire people to just like, just, like get up one more time like just try one more time and um you know and it it just kept it just kept growing and it it became very time consuming and so I I had to I I reached a point where like I'm a full-time caregiver three kids I have to uh I, I have to find like some path forward that allows me to do the stuff that like I'm very passionate about but then still take care of my kids so you know I started to try and find a way to build a business around this so that I could take care of my kids as well as continue to help other people. And, you know, I really, with the launch of the podcast a couple of years ago, that's, that became more of a reality for me and, and, uh, incorporated and um, it, it allows me to, to do what I love and what I'm passionate about, but also, you know, take care of, of my family. And it's not perfect. Uh, but you know, it's, I'm doing what I can with, with what I have available and trying to make the best of it. And uh, I'm very proud of everything that I've accomplished, you know, and now I I've got the second podcast launched this month and, you know, it's just become a, a thing for people to, you know, they just, they just find comfort and, and I feel good. I feel good about that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, Kind of burned out on the writing a little bit because I'm I'm like fourteen thousand posts into that blog and um, trying to come up with different ways of reaching out to people and and connecting. You know, Uh, and and the podcast is I just I really love doing that, talking to parents and sharing their stories, Um, and trying to find balance because as my kids get older, privacy becomes more of a thing, and so I'm I'm trying to move more towards helping other people share their stories because uh, there's so much to be learned from what other people experience. And and I think it makes us better. It makes us better parents, better humans when we can learn from each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Completely agree uh, about the privacy, about um, my own journey and, and, needing to switch eventually to, you know, how can I help people by sharing their stories? How did, how does sharing the stories of other parents help you as a dad? Because I know that when I share stories on my podcast, I feel like a better mom, I feel like I can do this. I can get up again. So what's the change in you since doing all of this?
1: I think it's helped me. I think it it, kind of keeps me centered. You know, sometimes we, we get so lost in the day-to-day struggles that I think we lose sight of like how small we really are i guess if that makes sense and when when i talk to an interview interview parents all the time and i talk to parents all the time and you know you you hear their stories and you hear the things that they're experiencing and it helps like it gives me perspective it helps me to uh it helps to remind me a lot of times too that that i'm not the only one out there struggling and dealing with these things. And and it feels good to, to provide a platform for parents who want their voice to be heard, you know, and, and it was validating for them. And like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a helper. I've always been that way. I used to be a fire medic and I left that career to stay home with my kids. And this kind of allows me to get that same feeling like I'm, like I'm helping people. I guess if that, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, as a teacher, it's the same vibe wanting to help and, and help guide people first, it was students. Now it's typically moms Mm -hmm. to being the best that they can be seeing, seeing their gifts. Um, and, and it's powerful. So I totally understand your, your journey from a, like a business perspective of, of what you're trying to do. And I think it's awesome. Uh, And I think we have the same mission and that's fantastic because there isn't, there, there wasn't a platform for parents to talk about how hard this is. And there needs to be, because there are so many parents who are struggling, Mm -hmm. uh, including myself and you at, at many, you know, many times.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Same with me. Same with me. Uh, There's, and there's, and I think one of
1: the things that I love about what you're doing is it's helping people to normalize some of these things like parents feel like, and it always gets me because like parents feel like you can't say these things or you can't think these things because who would think something like that about their own kid? You know, like I do, my kids drive me crazy. They absolutely drive me crazy. I love them to death, do anything for them, but they drive me nuts just because they're autistic. Doesn't preclude them from all of those things that kids are put on this planet to do to their parents. My kids do it perfectly right they they drive me crazy i drove my parents crazy it's like a rite of passage you know <laughs> and and it's just kind of like it's okay to feel these things it's okay to feel resentment it's okay to feel angry or frustrated or like you want to quit right it, it's it's okay to need a break it's okay to uh want to get off the ride every once in a while you know it, it's 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 how we choose to deal with those things that i think matters more than what we're actually feeling in the moment and And we don't want to get stuck there. And and I think when parents like they beat themselves up because they feel these things and then they feel guilty about it, which then makes it worse. Right. And it just becomes like this toxic thing. And, and it's gotta be like, look, you're allowed to feel that way. You can feel that way. All all those things that you, you read off on your stuff. Like I have felt that as a dad, like I think the same things I, I was just watching your one the other day and I'm like, Oh, totally, totally relate to that. And, uh, but for whatever reason, people just feel like it's not okay to feel those things. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, we can't deny our humanity. It's just, it's just, we're emotional people. And, and, uh, it's not a reflection on our kids. It's not a reflection on us as parents. It's just that we're human mm-hmm. and, and we have to, I've chosen to embrace those things because otherwise it it festers and it becomes, uh, it drags me down depression and, and stuff like that. And so it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I love that you do what you do because I, I, I hope that it is, it helps moms especially uh, to, to know that it's okay to feel these things.
0: Mm-hmm. And thank you. Yeah. First of all, that's very kind. And I, you're I welcome. appreciate it. Um, you're, And you're doing very similar work. You know, it's the, it's the same idea of, of normalizing. Um, Oh gosh, what did you just say? And I was like, Oh, I wanted to, Oh, I know what it was. So talking about, you know, just because my kids are autistic doesn't mean yet. I think that sometimes people are scared to share their, their vulnerable thoughts because they are scared of being judged because there are a lot of people who are very judgmental about this stuff oh yeah and I have to there's a lot of talk even within the autism community um and a lot of um different like the way that you talk can can you say can you say that my child with special needs annoys me <laughs> can you say you know and, and as if that's a neurotypical kid you can say that about but but if you have a neurodivergent kid you can't and that's not fair to us as parents because we need to be able to feel all the feelings not just the positive ones
1: I totally totally agree with you totally agree with you I think it's it's um kids one of the things that I'm learning uh as as my kids have hit like their teenage years because it's more apparent to me now than what it was then. And even still, I'm oblivious. There, There is so much overlap between our our kids and like neurotypical kids and parenting and neurotypical parenting, uh, or especially as parenting and neurotypical parenting. Um, my kids, some of the things that drive me crazy have nothing to do with autism or ADHD. It has everything to do with them being annoying teenagers who don't know when to stop talking or who think they know everything. Right. I mean, and for the longest time I was, I was, I I was always thinking like, Oh, well, you know, they're autistic or he's got ADHD. So he just, he's impulsive. And so like I used to just sort of parent the diagnosis and not so much parent my kids. And as, as they've gotten older, I realize that, I mean, they're still just kids. Like they're just kids. You know, it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in in a label and, and sometimes, I mean, it's necessary, right. For services and to better understand and all, all that kind of stuff. But it's also important that we remember that maybe they're autistic, but they're still just a kid, you know, and they're going to do things that are annoying. They're going to do things that make you mad. They're going to do things that make you want to just beat your head into the wall. Like, like. It's, it's, that's, that's normal. And just because they have a disability doesn't mean that they, they are uh, immune to those things. They're still kids, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I don't know. Like I, I just, if we want our kids to be treated the way that everybody else is treated, then if they're annoying, then we can. Is <laughs> their parent? I mean, like I've earned that. I, like I've earned the right at this point to say my kids can be really annoying. I know that I love them, but they can be really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it's not like because it because I guess what when when we can say those things, it's that we're seeing them for for who they are and not who they are is annoying, but, but you know what I mean? Like we're seeing past the disability and we're just seeing them as a person and people can be annoying. And just because, you know, they have a diagnosis doesn't mean that, you know, we have to shield them from that. I guess if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Of course it does. Yeah. I think it's really good, really good. And I have to say that I struggle a lot with looking at one of my kids, choices they just made, a behavior, whatever. And I'm I i ha- I'm stuck. Was that because ADHD? Was that because nine-year-old boy? <laughs> Was that because anxiety? W- w- what am I looking at? And how do I, I think I'm overthinking it. I think a lot of parents are overthinking it. And how do I parent this? And um, because if this was more impulsive due to something that was out of his control, I should be coming at it in a more gentle style, but I really want to be sarcastic and be like, what the heck dude, like knock that off. Like, and and I might not talk to him that way if it wasn't really his fault. So I get so hung up and stuck on my reactions and following up on a situation because I don't know What caused it? And so, when you say parenting the diagnosis, yeah, a hundred percent. And I wish sometimes that I could stop doing that.
1: Let me, let me, let me tell you what Uh, I can so relate to that. (laughs) And and I had, um, I've been learning so much lately. You never stop learning, right? I mean, there, there, it's just constant game. You're always, hopefully, always learning something. I, as my kids have gotten older. I now recognize that I I did way too much of what you're talking about, way too much of that, and and what I ended up doing was was um, like I ended up like I made I made excuses for behaviors that whether they were related to autism or not were problematic behaviors, right? And I thought like you know like there you just like you feel bad. Right. Like I I wanted to understand, did you just hit your brother because you're just being like a sibling, like just like normal kind of like whatever, or were you overstimulated or did something trigger you? And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because you hit someone and we can't do that. Right. Like we can try and understand the behavior and work through it on the back end. But like, I did not hold my kids accountable when they were younger. And and so now I'm, I'm trying to play catch up and help them to be better prepared for, for real life. And and I feel like, you know, you don't, what do they say? You don't punish a fish for not being able to climb a tree. Right. Or, um, but you hit someone, you hit someone like, it's not okay. You're not, the, unless it's self-defense, you're, you can't do that kind of stuff. Um, Like I may understand it, but the world doesn't care. And I, I have, I I try to look at things in a way that how, like, if I'm not here anymore and this happens, what is the world? Like, how, how is it going to impact them down the road? Are they going to be able to get away with it? Is it going to be like, oh, well, you know, we know that you have, you know, ADHD. So we're going to let this go. I mean, the world's not going to care you know, so I think we can compassionately hold our kids accountable. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I have, I'm the wrong person to ask because I really, I feel like it's one of my biggest regrets is, is not holding my kids more accountable when they were younger. Uh, because I feel like life would be so much potentially at least a little bit easier for them now. But, uh, I, I think, I don't know. It, it, you can get so lost down that rabbit hole of trying to to understand the mechanics of what's going on because you don't want to punish them for something that's outside of their control. But if it's a problem behavior, it doesn't really matter what the cause is. If if something happened and somebody was hurt or something's broken or you know uh, whatever, like we still have to deal with the reality of that, and and how we choose. To discipline that or how we choose to address it can be based on developmentally, like what's going on. Is there, were they doing it to be a jerk or were they doing it because they were whatever? So I think we can approach it in constructive, compassionate ways, but I I still think we need to impress upon our kids that like we're accountable for the things that we do. And I, I wish that I had, I wish that I had done that more when my kids were younger.
0: Mm -hmm. that is a message i needed to hear today so thank you
1: (laughs) well and i'm not trying to like preach to you or anything like that i I just it's it's i i would feel guilty about um like oh my gosh like i can't punish them for that like they that's not their fault but like come on man like make your bed or you just ate a granola bar yep throw it in the trash yes don't put it on the floor and i realized like he's got 80 my youngest is very ADHD I love him he's very ADHD and he just is oblivious like he just like he literally forgets and then he gets mad at me if I remind him like I'm like I'm doing something wrong because I've had to say it like three or four times and I'm like dude if you'd just done it the first time then we wouldn't be having this conversation but he gets so distracted and and it's okay but it's like we we have to we have to navigate these things. Like it's still a problem, but we can do it in a way that isn't uh, that's kind of working with them. And, and as I'm sure you have have had to do, you got to think outside the box. You've got to create unique approaches that most people probably aren't going to understand. But you find what works, and you find that balance between accountability and whatever they have going on. And uh, you know. Do the best you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Um, but definitely something I I needed to hear. And when you talk about the granola bar wrapper, like that is that's our number one right now. And it, my six year old is very ADHD. So right now in the living room, over the past like week, he's been cutting out these whatever, three D Minecraft things Mm -hmm. and he making using tape balls and taping them together my living room floor right now is covered in shreds of paper scissors scotch tape and i get why the mess is there i understand the how the adhd factors into that mess being there
1: right
0: but i can't get him i can't find a system (laughs) for him to clean it and I'm not going to clean it. And so now it's just been sitting there for a week, which is really making me mad because I'm mad at myself. How have I allowed my six-year-old to go a whole week without cleaning up this mess? But when I try to get him to clean up a mess, it doesn't matter how, what strategies I use, what song and dance routines need to be put in. He can't focus. He can't like, it's painful. It'll take us three hours. So, so I've done nothing. And that's like the story of my life and, (laughs) and parenting Uh, ADHD.
1: I, Uh, I, 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 like, I'm not finding joy in what you're saying. I mean, sort of a little bit. <laughs> it's fine. Like, I, it's, 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 uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD a year ago. Oh,
0: wow. and
1: at, at 43, I was diagnosed. I had no idea, no idea whatsoever. Now, so much of my life makes sense. And it's given me, I feel like I'm in a much stronger place to tell my kids, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, I realize it's easy to forget. But just if I do it like right now, because if you don't do it right now, you're going to, you're going to forget. And, uh, like I'm, I'm still figuring this stuff out, but, but I, I've, it's given me some insight into what challenges he's dealing with. And, and so I'm, I'm definitely more compassionate now. Cause like, I, I get it. Um, but, I, but like still, It's such a pet peeve for me. Like it drives me absolutely crazy, drives me bonkers. And and it's like, how hard, how hard can it be? Just, just, I'll even put a trash can right here. Just, just put it in there. Right. Like we'll just, we'll just practice, just put it in there. And it's just, I don't know. And there's, I mean, there's no, I I don't know. I don't know how to navigate it. It's either you, it's, it could be a power struggle, but it's pointless because you're dealing with a kid who's neurologically, uh, chemically incapable of some of these things and you got to find a way to make it work. But man, I mean, it really, if you subscribe to like that spoon theory, like I spoon, 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 like I'm just (laughs) giving them all away. Just put the, put the stuff in the trash. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I feel for you. I, I, uh, I could totally, I can, Totally relate. I know where he's been. He peels the labels off of water, peels the labels off of everything, everything, even my stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll come into my room and and he'll like, I had had a bottle of Advil here Mm -hmm. the other day. And it's like, it peels the label off of it. Mm -hmm. We have the the water drops, you know, my son likes the water drops. Yep. They all come in the same color bottle. He peels the labels off of it. (laughs) Now you'd have no idea what you're squirting into the water until you do it and it's like I, it's a compulsive thing for him and then he leaves the rappers on the ground it's like you can just I used to be able to just follow him like if yes. I didn't know where he was I would just follow the path mm-hmm. of things on the ground because he just leaves this stuff in his wake mm-hmm. and it's its funny and I'll miss it at some point like as much as it drives me crazy I'll look back on life and just be like oh man like I'm, I, like you missed that stuff eventually mm-hmm. but like uh, I'm not there yet
0: no <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't someday. miss it yet <laughs> not yet. No. Not yet. And and so here's the thing. So you, in that example, you, you bring him the trash can, you, you know, you got to get on his level and look him in the eye and get his attention. It's like, pick up this thing. And from, if it were my son, he rolls around on the ground, does 8,000 cartwheels, and then maybe picks up one scrap. Okay, great. Then what? He hasn't learned So have I held him accountable? Sure. He eventually puts the things where they go. And then it happens again tomorrow and the next day and the next day.
1: (laughs) And then it's like, is the effort more for you or is it for them?
0: Exactly.
1: And because I I realized like, there's no, like, who's like, what are we doing? Is this, I mean, because it would have literally, it would have been so much easier for me to just pick it up and go walk it and throw it away. Been done in like five seconds. Instead. I'll spend so much more time trying to get him to do it. And it's like, what, what, sometimes it's just like, what am I, like, what am I doing? How does this yep. even make sense? Yep. But as a parent, you're trying to teach, right? And you're trying to instill those values and that kind of discipline on them. So they, you know, just clean up after yourself, throw your dirty clothes into the hamper. And I, sw- I swear to God, there's piles of clothes. <laughs>
0: same like every room in my house well even just just like the hamper's
1: right here and it's on the floor right next to the hamper like just put it in the basket come on come on like i sweet like are you guys you're doing this are you doing this just to like to torture you like you know like part of me wonders like yeah they get some kind of like let's they know they can mess with me right so they're just like and then they hide behind whatever right? but but i i totally get it totally get it
0: no easy answers no. and i think it's just funny to have the conversations because it's so um relatable yeah. and and therefore you know maybe after this conversation i feel just a little less shame that my living room floor is covered in paper scraps because oh. yours might be covered in uh, mio drops
1: wrappers wrappers <laughs> yeah uh i don't I wrote this thing called um, juggling plates and it was, I I wrote it because it's pinned on my blog. So it's like the very first thing if you go to the blog and the idea behind it was we, as, as parents of challenging kids, we have to, uh, we have to juggle these plates. Like we have all these responsibilities. We got to kind of keep up in the air. And a lot of times what happens is people will like, they look at they look at our lives and they see all of the broken plates that have we've dropped and it hit the floor and it makes this big mess, right? So like you've got your shredded paper all over the floor. I, I've got freaking wrappers of whatever he ate, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And what I the message was like what, what people don't understand is is when when you focus on everything that's still on the floor or or the mess or the things that you've dropped we're, we're failing to recognize all the things that we've accomplished. And, and a lot of times, uh, and and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sure you deal with this as well. Like we're having to triage things in real time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you are a special needs parent, there is no, there's no downtime. I mean, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sometimes for the rest of your natural life. And we are constantly having these plates hurled at us. And in real time, We have to decide, like, I can only keep five up at a time and the five that I have up here right now, which one can I drop so that I can pick up this one that's coming at me right now that's more important in the moment. And so all of that mess is not because we're lazy or we're bad parents. It's because we are constantly having to reprioritize the things in our lives. And if you choose not to make sure that your living room floor is paper free because you're doing 10 other things that are more important in the moment and rather than focus on the mess or the things that, that you've, you look back on and you're like, Oh man, like I just feel like a terrible parent cause I'm not doing this. The reality is you're doing so much more and you just realized that, that that was less important in the moment, you know? And I think I really, tr- I really try to remember that. So when I see these things, instead of feeling bad, uh, I really try to just like, like, okay, like this is a, I didn't get to this or this is still a problem, but you know, we got speech therapy done or we got OT done or, you know, the kids, I got the kids into a school that they're actually doing well in, you know, or I got work done that I needed to get done. I mean, there's all these other things that we just, it's never, it's never what you see on the surface. Right. And so, I I think, like, if you have paper on the floor, it's because there were more important things for you to deal with. And it just is what it is. People don't understand it. They don't understand it. But I I guarantee you, all the moms out there who are following you are like, I'm so glad to know that her living room floor is covered in paper. (laughs) Because, like, maybe it's granola wrappers or, like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, Legos. Legos are another one. Oh, Legos. Or Nerf darts.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, don't get me started on either of those. Yep. Yep.
1: The dog eats them and then poops.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm out in the yard, it's. Like, <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Yep. This is very relatable.
1: At least we can laugh at it, right? Like, I feel like if you can't laugh, yeah, at your situation, sometimes like you just go crazy, like you just you lose your mind, mm-hmm. and I think it's cathartic to be able to kind of step back and just like it bothers me, but like, come on, like, mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. right. at least I'm not alone. No, and it takes a a mindset shift, um, and, and of course, letting go of your own expectations and standards that may have been set when you were a child and the way you were raised. And you know, there's a lot of undoing there. Um, yeah. But being able to relate to someone else, that's that's where the magic is. Um, Rob, I have absolutely loved this conversation. Tell tell us where we can find all of your things. Give us the rundown.
1: Okay, so the easiest thing to do, you can just go to the dad dot com. Uh, podcast information and stuff is is all there. Uh, social links, all that stuff. So that's the easiest thing. If you if you live in Ohio or are just interested, anyways, uh, I just launched Special Needs Ohio, and I'm, it's it's where I'm doing all the same stuff that I was doing before, but on a smaller smaller scale, which is actually harder, as I'm getting into it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a little bit easier mm-hmm. but it's 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 focusing on people in my local community because I'm I'm from Ohio and so I'm trying to tell the stories of other Ohio families and connect them with uh, resources in their local community that they maybe just don't know are there I don't know how to uh, access them so that's just specialneedsohio.com it's a work in progress right now because I'm one person but um, podcasts can be found on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps
0: so cool. I love all that you were doing and it's really nice to, to chat with you. Um, and would definitely love to do this again because, uh, it's just very easy and natural to have these conversations that things we're both going through.
1: It's nice. It's, there's some kind of magic in talking to people who get it without having to convince them that that's what your reality is. Yes. And, and, uh, I I felt that when, when I talked to you on my show and it was again, when we were talking today, so I appreciate it. I kind of came into this having kind of a rough morning and I feel so much better now after oh. we talked. So <laughs> thank you oh. for that.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I've been a bit on the struggle bus myself, so I agree. This is probably the first time I think I've laughed today. Um, so I, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll stay in touch, of course, and um, mm-hmm. definitely do this again. Um, and I'll keep you posted as to when this is coming out, but thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this good stuff.
1: Thank you for being a voice for all the moms who are feeling all the things that we feel as humans.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on the and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On The Hard Days and community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means, so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.